Hi, hello. Welcome to the ADHD Book Club Podcast, the only book club podcast that breaks books into bite-sized, easy-to-read pieces for our easily distracted convenience. Today, we are discussing The Ones Who Walk Away from Omelis by Ursula Le Guin. Uh, That is a five-page short story, and I am your host, Cole. I use whatever pronouns you want. Most people use he, him. That's perfectly fine. I'm not going to fight you about it either way. One thing you should know about me is my favorite family game night game is charades i can see that i can absolutely hi i'm matcha mello um i use she her pronouns i'm the head librarian at the book club i have a list of things going in my head and i'm struggling with them because i'm panicking about this game night thing now uh i don't see, know what game night i like i mean i don't like scrabble like game okay then I like Archaeology, the game me and Tevin played together. Because it's fantastic. Sure. Very fun game. Uh, so tell good. me about Archaeology, because I've never heard of it. Uh, what's that other game? Splendor? It's kind yeah. of Splendor-esque. Oh. But it's better than Splendor. Kind of an economy-based game. You want to hoard multiple of certain cards. Mm-hmm. And if you hoard too much, you might lose all of it, because some cards are bad. Because Sandstorm's Good old time. Yeah. All right, Tevin, introduce yourself now. That's me. Hi, I'm Tevin. Some call me Beals. I use he, him pronouns, and I just work here. Uh, if I... So, favorite family game night is interesting because we usually only just play dominoes, but I'm going to get my family into Catan so I can make them hate each other. It's going to be great. Mm. <laughs> That's I like going like, yeah, we used to play like hearts, but now I'm introducing the Mario Kart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They keep asking me how to shoot the moon, and I say it's called a blue shell. <laughs> uh, oh, there it is. There it yeah. is. And we have yes. a very, very special guest with us this week to talk about this wonderful short story. Mr. Eric, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Eric I'm Eric Silver. Um, I use he him pronouns. Donkey Kong's going to be hanging out with me as well. Uh, and I am the uh, high school English teacher that needs to make a bunch of copies because my Xerox machine at the school is broken and I need to use yours. Always I have a bunch are. of quarters. And what was your family board night, game night growing up? Interesting. I think that, like, yeah, uh, because I came from a broken home, I didn't have a lot of those. So the ones that I like now are when when I get to play with my friends, and we there are a lot of the, a lot of that we go through. But I have to always recommend Betrayal on the House of the Hill, which oh, might no. be the best modern board game that ever exists. It is fantastic. such a classic, incredible. Yeah, Boys. I played that once and like instantly was like, okay, this is gonna be my personality for the next six months. <laughs> you gotta, and I have like a whole thing, you gotta get the expansion because getting the elevator makes sense oh, and gives yeah. you another floor. And then you have can you... be like, oh, I'm gonna play Pendleton Ward's weird scenario. <laughs> Great. Have you played uh, The Betrayal at Baldur's Gate? Baldur's Gate, yeah. I have it. It's too complicated because Wizards of the Coast tried to ruin it. True. It did that change some of right. the rules very subtly. And, and like, it's, it's, it's way crunchier for no yes. reason. Yeah. Agreed. For, yeah. yeah. As, I have Betrayal Legacy, 
I have Betrayal Legacy, but I got it like in 2020, so I had no one to play it with. So it's always there, lurking like a ghost. All right. Uh, before we get into the podcast, do you want to like tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Um, I we I actually used to be a high school English teacher, so that's why I'm very excited that we are talking about a short that? story. Interesting. Okay. I'm surprised. I thought you knew that, Cole. Um, uh, I knew one, that. I, I don't know, know why I knew that, though. <laughs> so, as someone who listens to a lot of your podcasts, there is a lot I know about your life, which That's is weird like to say That's, like, the creepiest way to say <laughs> Dog, at this point, I, I've said this to other podcasters, and they get weirded out that I know their stuff. Here's the thing. My, like, family doesn't listen to my podcast. It's really helpful <laughs> that people are paying attention. I say this all the time. I'm like, how are you not good at getting me presents? Because I have such definable interests. I just need someone to pay attention. I'm totally fine with that, Cole, honestly. So, um, there, yeah. There's a lot, but that was not something I actually knew off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I was a high school English teacher, but I'm currently the head of creative at Multitude, which is a podcast collective studio and ad sales provider. I make uh, seven ep- podcast episodes every two weeks. Um, because I am the I am the dungeon master of Join the Party actual play podcast. I am the question keeper and host of Games and Feelings, a games advice podcast. Uh, I am the showrunner and like and producer and audio butler on Tell Me About It, which is a game show run by a demonic billionaire trying to make you talk about your favorite things. And also, I produce the Distraction, which is the sports podcast from Defector, which is a worker-owned sports collective, which is honestly incredible. Um, so yeah, I'm out here making podcasts, making stuff. Right. I'm exhausted listening to <laughs> You sound so I'm tired busy. for you. Oh. Here's the thing, dog. What the, the what I'm good at is getting a process going and then just letting it fly. Because yeah. like the whole thing about streaming and podcasting, which I think are one and the same, considering how they're content I could literally talk about this the whole time, so I'm sorry. But the whole thing about streaming and podcasting is that they both don't have an algorithm so you just got to do your thing and do it on a cadence so you do all this pre-production and you do all this like equipment setting and then Mm -hmm. you just try to make magic when you're recording and then you have someone good upload your videos or edit your videos etc we love you scoop we love you scoop (laughs) exactly so so that's why um yeah that's like the whole thing so it's kind of just like letting it fly and then just making sure you never miss a week honestly that's, so that's, cool. that's the hard part, uh, is never missing a week, but consistency is important in it. Mm-hmm. Mach and I did just say that like we are just kind of having this podcast as a cover for you just come in and talk about content creation for an mm-hmm. hour or so. So You know, it happens. I would, honestly. Yeah. I honestly would. <laughs> All right. Uh, I actually referenced a quote from this uh, short story today. So really? I, need to, I need to make sure I can see it. Yeah, I was. we were doing a, a question on on games and feelings where someone's boyfriend like didn't like games where they were like oh i think they're frivolous i, I only like doing things that have a purpose and don't be a gamer yeah and yeah, I was like, oh, I was like, yeah it's like i, I can't believe it and the, the, the quote about how happiness seemed frivolous that was written in how like evil and pain oh, was yeah. intellectual mm-hmm. I, I was looking at a different i i pulled up the wonderful copy that y'all sent from the uh, anarchist library and i was using a different one that i just found on a random web, web page so it, i totally missed it but that quote i was like man ursula k Le Guin is the goat absolutely oh. she's the oh, she's absolute so, so godmother oh, she's God. so so good it was so this is an incredible short story and i know i've uh i also love the lottery by shirley jackson and i we we almost talked about that today but uh i these 
those two short stories are really in conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know there's a companion piece to this completely that I tried to read today and my attention span just went to shit. We'll get, so. I will get there. And <laughs> okay. Kate Jemsen wrote it, which again, yep. she's a hundred percent carrying the torch laid out by Ursula K. Le Guin. Um, and it's, it really makes sense. Like the, the core theme, the thing that scandalized people in 1973 is you can walk away from bad things. And now N.K. Jemsen <laughs> is like, no, you have to stay and fight. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty much that's exactly what it is. And I get it. It's just kind of funny seeing something. But I mean, both of them, this, this whole short story is pr- purely a thought experiment. Yeah. And, and then you can kind of, it doesn't feel derivative. If you're like, okay, I'm making up a new thought experiment. That's mm-hmm. how good, that's absolutely how good this short story is. Just start diving uh, into philosophy with it. <laughs> I'll let you go though, Cole. Yes, uh, I'm going to give a quick like Wikipedia level, basically overview of the story, just in case listeners didn't read it. Uh, help that we all on the same page. You should. It's five pages. It took me like not even 10 minutes to read entirely. Yeah. You can uh, Google it and it's out for free. It's not yeah. even like on the New Yorker. Yeah. It's just like out there. But I'm going to quickly give a summary so you guys will listen to me talk for the next five minutes or so. Um, The book opens with the narrator informing us it's the Festival of Summer in the city of Omelas. Everyone is dancing around parading towards the green fields, which are a watery meadow where naked children are sitting on horses preparing to race. And there are bells clanging joyously and music is filling the city. The narrator then tries to describe the city of happiness to us with difficulty since we, the audience, after all, are conditioned to believe that happiness is dull and simple. The narrative claims that strife is, in fact, the simple subject and further says that strife is only recognizable in contrast to happiness and to equate happiness with simpleness is dangerous because artists have perpetuated this myth so much that society at large has forgotten how to describe happiness. They then try and explain again that that the citizens of Amalus are not simple. They are intelligent and, in fact, their happiness comes from knowing what's necessary, what is destructive, and what is unnecessary but not destructive. They ask the reader to imagine Omelus however you wish. That as long as nothing in the city walls is destructive. So you can give them subway systems. You can give them a cure for the common cold. You can give them central heating or give them none of that. The precise details don't really matter. Only that it fits what the narrator's rather loose descriptions provide. They even say if like it still seems too perfect, give them an orgy to spice things up. So funny. Best line in the entire. Oh, yeah. The I, I highlighted that and then Cole sent it to me like pretty quickly after that. I was like, yep. <laughs> Everyone's going to comment on that one. Yep. They even said that you can have clergy or you can have religion. Yes, but like no clergy. Uh, but if that's still too boring, give the citizens some drugs. The narrator goes to describe a drug called Druze and its effects. And let so us know funny in a post like Dune is popular again <laughs> yeah. era mm-hmm. to read this in. Just be like, yeah, have some drugs, you know, have some spice. I mean, Druze. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, she lets us know that's not a habit-forming thing, but also lets us know that like few people would probably even necessarily need it because, like she said, everyone there is happy and the citizen, the city is perfect. They go on to describe more of the festival and how picturesque it all is with the racing and the music and the citizens all enjoying everything. And then asks us again, hey, does this seem real? And if not, I'm going to give you one more detail. Uh, in a dark windowless broom closet in a basement under one of these buildings lives one malnourished child. That child shares a room with some mops in a bucket and notes that the child is scared of the mops. And at this point in his life, the child has become dumb through like neglect and fear. The door to the broom closet is always locked, except when someone comes to feed the child. It has a meal of like a half a bowl of corn and some grease every day. And it doesn't it didn't always live there. So like it knew what its life was like before. And it used to beg for forgiveness and for it to be released. But now it can like barely make any noise whatsoever. 
And it goes on to clarify that every single citizen in Omelis knows this child and knows that the child is the reason that they live such a good life. All of their happiness, all of their joy comes from this child's suffering. And any good deed uh, that the child may experience will immediately bring up the end of all of their joy. Uh, the narrator tells us that most people learn about this around ages 8 to 12 and that most of the children react with disgust, but then like grow to accept it, whatever justifications they use, they will eventually come to accept it. But every so often, there is a few people who cannot accept it and walk away, whether it's as a child or as an adult, they choose to leave homeless and they do it in silence. They We don't know where they go, just that they never come back. And when they leave, they do with purpose, seeming to know where they're going. I want to point out that in the time that Cole very nicely summarized these, uh, summarized the short story, you could have read it. Literally, yeah, yeah that, that's about yes. how long it took me to read it. Uh, that is the longest summary I've done on this podcast because I am just summarizing the entire book. Uh, but yeah, it's very short. I do recommend people go and read it because it's such an interesting read. Mm-hmm. You also like quoted the important parts. Like you yeah. really did quote it. It's just to say short stories are the best. Like just yeah. go read some. Go read some short stories, man. Everyone. Uh, yeah. So many of my favorite are by Ray Bradbury. I love his stuff so much. If you want some contemporary ones, I gotta recommend Karen Russell, who wrote okay. Swamplandia. She that also was... wrote, um, God, I have a few of them here. She wrote uh, Vampires in Lemon Grove and like St. Lucy's School for Little Girls and Werewolves or something. She's the one that we were uh, looking at doing eventually. So, yes, there are some really, really interesting ones. She's really weird too. I love um, weird authors, I love them so much. Yeah. There was one that I was reviewing that I sent to Matcha about the one that from the most recent book that was about a guy who falls in love with like someone who got preserved in in bog bog peat, and oh. that one with the bog girl absolutely a banger. Interesting. That sounds terrifying. It's a lot of weird it really stuff. Does. A lot of stuff like that of like regular slice of life plus one really strange thing. Hmm. That's that's a very strange thing. I like it though. All right. Uh, so there are some questions that Mach and I have that we can talk about. Uh, if you brought any of your own, Eric, feel free to just kind of interject them whenever. Or just uh, say them if you think of them too. Yeah. Oh, you know <laughs> it. I brought, I brought this. You're going to be able, you're going to be able to pass your state exams about oh, and so. use this as an example <laughs> of the essays by the end of this. There we go. I, so. Can I talk about something for the larger form? Because uh, mm-hmm. Cole, again, your summary was very good. But I would love to like ask a larger question about the writing style. Sure, absolutely. What did you all think about the thought experiment thing? I liked it, but then when you were summarizing it, I felt some pulls. I was like, I don't know if this is the right thing. So the the way that this is written is like, so she spends the first page and page and a half really detailing the fantasy ass city of Omelas, right? Mm-hmm. Also, did we come up with like how we're going to pronounce it? We can just say it however we <laughs> I want. Mean, the, way, the way she came up, the, the way she said it, how she come up with this, because she saw the word like Salem backwards and then just added oh, okay. to it, so. That's awesome. I fucking love that. That's so cool. That, I am, okay. Yeah, no, I read that too, and like the weird stop sign thing with yeah, that. Yeah, she, she's like, when she's driving, she like, she will see a stop sign and she's like, what, what's that backwards? And that's how she comes up with fantasy names. Amazing. I was so like the first pair I'm seeing the first page has a lot of proper nouns, right? The mm. green fields, the 18 peaks, the uh, the king, the festival of summer. And then she's like, 
okay, so you're envisioning it, right? But it's not that dumb thing you're thinking of. Whatever yeah. you're thinking of, it's not that. It's not and, kitschy. Right. And it ends up being, she does that for the majority of the exposition before she talks about the kid in mm-hmm. the co- the kid in the cupboard. What do you think about the, what do you feel about how she's like trying to preempt the reader? It very much feels like she is trying her best to just get us to imagine what we think a picturesque world could look like and whatever that means to us. Mm. I think too, that like, she's very vague about how it's described. She's spending a page and a half, but she's not describing. I mean, she tells us to imagine an orgy because like, we can't imagine it well enough. And so she's like, she's not going in depth about every single street or anything like that. But, but like she, it's not even like fun. Is she, I'll quote, I'll quote that sentence. I fear that Omala so far strikes some of you as goody-goody. Smiles, bells, parades, horses, bleh. If so, please add an orgy. If an orgy would help, don't hesitate. Let us not, however, have temples from which issue... which it, uh, Let us not, however, have temples from which issue beautiful nude priests and priestesses already half in ecstasy, ready to copulate with any man, woman, lover, stranger, desires the union with a deep godhead of the blood. Although that was my first idea. But really, it would be better not to have any temples in Omala. Like, she's really, and it's casual, almost. It's mm-hmm. like she's trying to talk to the reader and preempt what they're going to say. Yeah. yeah. It seems like she knows a uh, very good idea of, like, what people are going to think when she, they describe a good, like, a, a quote-unquote idealistic world or city. The casualness is probably, like, one of my favorite things about this whole story. It really felt like me just wanting to go play D&D more. It really felt like that one bard in the tavern. Just like, I have a story to tell. Let me tell you about this cool place I know. And keep making sure everyone stays, like, on the same page. Even I would say, like, your DM is meeting you where you are. We're not mm-hmm. on a set. We're just playing a game. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The entire five-page short story is very casual and, like, references you as, like, a reader or an audience member mm-hmm. more than once and, like, does a very good job of kind of, like, making you feel almost included in the storytelling aspect. I also want to apologize, Kevin. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm doing the Jewish interrupt, which is like I'm trying to append an annotation to what you're <laughs> saying. And I want to say my thing, but it's like in Congress, in Congress with a like, chorus. You're so fine. You're, you're totally fine. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> we so, do it all of the time. Yes. So here is like my rise and fall of this. When I was reading it, I was like, this is so great. I love that she's speaking to me here and like it really feels like the person writing this is a person it's and it is the thought experiment that i said while you were summarizing 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 this call i'm like actually this kind of bothers me a little bit because i wish that she didn't have to die she didn't feel so self-conscious right a thing that i we say on podcasts or i try to get people to understand on podcasts is like do not call people out on your podcast or say that something bothers you because all it does is remind know that you're listening to them and that they are, and that they'll be more emboldened to continue to do that, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you all corrected my pronunciation about that thing, and but then it becomes a a thing, right? Yeah. You are then creating the thing, and it's like, hey, but that and but the difference is here, and then I came back to the other side. Is the difference is here is that of course she's working within the sci-fi genre. Mm-hmm. She is a woman writing, and this probably was published in a sci-fi magazine to start with and she probably gets shit like this all the time especially when we're talking about utopian societies right mm-hmm. where it's like oh well that's not that's not thomas more like you're not you're not oh, hewing to what thomas more laid out about what a utopia is blah blah yeah. blah so she probably has dealt with this a lot and also because she 
uh, is an absolute badass, she's just going to do what she's going to do, yeah, right? She doesn't give a fuck. She's going to do it. <laughs> yeah. Sure. And then, and then finally, I settled on actually Ursula K. Le Guin is so talented. You can do whatever you want. She yeah. was so engaging that it didn't even matter. And all, and that like the fact that it felt I came all the way back around. The fact that she was here, almost sitting next to me, and her, her she's so skillful in her writing. I just didn't even care. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it's off-putting at first, but then you very quickly just be like, oh no, it's like it feels like a friend just talking to me. Yeah, especially because like that orgy comment happened near the end. Going right to the Druze thing is the the sentence she says about Druze. I don't think many of them need to take Druze. Period. Next paragraph. Yep. Absolutely. The absolute goat. So powerful. So the, the thing that I was thinking about is like she was, uh, no matter what, someone with charisma, like standing on stage with literal charisma. I've been, I literally just finished Mad Men, like right the hour oh, before so, I so came good. on. It's I just so finished good. it. And just like how in, in the last season, you're like, oh, everyone just loves Don Draper because he's handsome and charismatic and he can do anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's a genius. Plus all that stuff on top of it. And literally his raw magnetism it, uh, eliminates all of his mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that her sheer power of writing and magnetism, it felt like she was making a speech. And it was like, regardless of if someone would say, don't do this in a speech, she's so powerful, mm-hmm. she can do whatever she wants. I'm trying to figure out, uh, I should have looked this up. So this was originally published in 1973. And for it to still, mm-hmm. like, be relevant 50 years later is truly, like, insane. I for no something that is, that. yeah. For it feels that... like a very modern, like, conversationalist work. So that, I mean, it does hold up through time. Especially if you're posing such a philosophical question like she is with this. Yeah, what compromises are you willing to accept for happiness? Or for a utopia you can't imagine. Yeah. I was thinking about that, especially. It's kind of interesting about how she talks about, like, okay, these people are happy, but they're not stupid, right? And -hmm. yet, the gambit that she's laying out at the end is like, well, think about, you know, when you're first having thoughts and feelings as a teenager and as a young adult, right? And then you say something like, the Iraq war is wrong. And then your uncle yells at you, right? It's like, yeah, and the thing they always say is you're so naive, you don't know how the world works is, right? And like those those two things are against each other. One, they're happy, but that's fine. And then she does a whole railing against of how sadness is actually and how intellectuals and sophisticates think sadness is good. But then she mm-hmm. says, but then you need to comprehend everyone in Omalas comp- thinks that, oh no, this sad the sadness of this child actually is necessary and you gotta get over it. So I, it's kind of funny how she laid it out first and then she almost like pulled the rug out of yeah. like what. So I don't even know. Is like, did she, does that quote about, about happiness matter anymore? Because he's like, well, what we have to do, I guess, because people walk away at the end. But I guess the people in Omelas is like, happiness is good, but only be- we're still like world aware. Yeah. We're, like, we're they, they are happy. Cynical. She like they. She uh, mentions that like the people in Omos are happy because they know the child is suffering for them. Basically, mm-hmm. 
and yet and yet they did so without monarchy slavery and got on without the stock exchange advertised with secret police yep. and the bomb it's so because that's what that's why i thought it was a thought experiment it's like okay this isn't the modern world but it's mm. exactly the same as the modern world i thought it was so funny how she built up this castle and then she pulled mm. it down yeah. Well, I think it's it's more making you self-aware again. I think she does that a few times throughout, you know, the story where she she puts you in this space so you feel safe there for a little bit and then she kicks you out to something where you can relate it to yourself for at least a little bit and then she pulls you back in. It, it is. isn't it isn't the secret police, but it actually is the secret but police. But it it is. It always is. She's so talented. Jesus it's not Christ. Like, it's not quite modern setting, but it's also, like, not high fantasy sci-fi or anything like that. It is just kind of, it is whatever you want it to be. Whatever, like, relations or similarities you can find, whatever you make it, it that's where it is. What do you, yeah, what do you, that's a good question. What do you all envision when you think about a utopia? Like, do you have points of, like, media and things like that? Because I think, I, like, it's, you're supposed to, like, imagine what a utopia could look like. And whatever I, it is, it is that. And so, yeah, um, I don't necessarily have like a like I, a perfect utopia in mind, but like to me, like the only way people can be happy in like that kind of thing is just like a small town. I don't mm. think like once you like get into like bigger corporations and like monopoly type of things, I don't think at that point you can have individual happiness as like a commodity type of thing. Yeah, size for sure. Do I any... cannot imagine a utopia. Like, as I'm trying to think, like, it, like I'll be like, oh, you know, like a super eco-green city. And then I'm just like, but they're so, it's so complicated and so intense. I don't know how to even begin. Any media that, like, shows mm. it that you, you've thought of before? That would mean I have to watch things. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, watch it famously uh, does not watch a whole lot. Yeah. Um, oh. Speaking of media, the first thing that came to mind for me was Columbia from Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, oh. very good one. Oh. Very good. Yes. So you can use dystopias as reference for your utopia. That is exactly. For. And that's kind of perfect. If that <laughs> Two sides of the same coin, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. so, it is funny. I wonder if this is the first. Uh, see, I have to pivot really quickly. We're going to end up talking about Bioshock the whole time. Um, <laughs> I wonder if this was where like the the utopia with the secret came from. Like, Do you think, did she invent oh, this trope? That, I, I actually don't know. I'm not sure. Um, when did Fahrenheit? Uh, or not that Fahrenheit, was later. Was that? 1984. That's the one I was thinking of. When did mm. that come out? I think that was later too. There is a, a story by I'm gonna say the name wrong, so I'm really sorry. But Yevgeny Zatnyatin. It's a Soviet author. Oh, the one she referenced. The. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's no, no, no. Sorry, yeah. that's that's Dostoevsky. Um, but this is. It's all Russian to me. A, but it's a different author who predated, like, Brave New World, 1984, all those sure. things. Okay. Uh, the book is We. It's actually very, very, very good. And pretty short. I, think, I guess... Uh, I think humanity, for as long as humanity has existed, has always wondered, what if everyone is happy but one person? Or, like, it's like the, very much the, the goods of the many the, versus the needs of the few. Mm -hmm. Or the goods of the few. The very, like, the Spock, Star Trek, whatever that quote is. Of course. Uh, the only utopias I'm thinking of are like heaven, right? Mm -hmm. Is like, but of course, that's so separate from, and whether we're talking about like Elysian Fields or Christian Heaven or whatever. Um, it's, but that's so different. 
and only a few uh, only a few group of people get to go there only yeah. because you did good and then mm-hmm. you get to go there but this is like humans yeah what if what if we were all happy and we did what we had to do to become happy is just mm-hmm. such a fundamental question interesting Don't i'm sorry if i just like took i no, just started like asking please, socratic seminar it. questions please continue to you're fascinating to listen to <laughs> <laughs> almost like he's good at his job it's right? like he does podcasts I'm, I'm gonna be honest i've been mostly unfamiliar with you i just know that these two have been very excited so like this is my first meeting you and i'm just like you're so fun to listen to, man. You're going to go listen to all of his uh, podcasts. Absolutely. If you want to hear more like this type of stuff, go listen to Games and Feelings. It's one of my favorite so to listen good. to about him. Oh, yes. Oh, good. We're just going to compliment you right now. Don't mind us. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. We actually have a really fun episode coming out tomorrow where we talk about what it's like making actual play content. Me, oh. Jasper, mm. and Brian Flaherty, who's been doing stuff in my first dungeon and doing games that are not Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, they're they're currently doing a good society, and they did a die season right before this. Okay. Really fun. So that's going to be fun. Um, yeah, those were the ones that were really, that, those were the ones that were standing out to me. I guess the main question that we should talk about is, how'd y'all feel about the twist? You know, it was certainly, uh, it, 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 there has to be a reason somebody walks away from it, right? Like the, there is kind of a spoiler within the title of itself, because why else would you walk away from something that is fundamentally perfect? Mm-hmm. But also it's like, I don't know if I could live with that. I agree. Uh, I knew that this was coming, but I mm-hmm. want to point out something. And Cole, I, this is not to correct you and fucking burn you on this own stream. Gross but me. you did say the child was he, and uh, Ursula yeah. Kaylee mm-hmm. literally goes out of her way to, to say it, 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 it could yeah. either be a boy or a girl. Yeah. It, yes, and I think that that was also there. Man, that paragraph was visceral. She really yes. goes yeah. and goes and goes when they said yeah. that she was. They she was af- the child is afraid of the mops. When mm-hmm. and the whole thing about that the gender how how they become dumb with mm-hmm. stupidity from not being from being locked up the the meal just being and the last sentence is about the like sores on the child's body so like she goes in to make you feel bad I I felt sick reading that paragraph in a way that I wasn't anticipating because I knew what was coming yeah mm-hmm. but when you like sit down and actually like pay attention really closely to it it's just like oh gosh. <laughs> So. It's just like, I guess the question then comes like, what is, what would like the equivalent of the child be in modern day? Oh man, there are so many. I mean, which one do you want to pick, right? <laughs> <laughs> Choose your poison. There is no ethical consumption in capitalism. That's I where mean, I'm at with it. But... Right. Like, is it capitalism at large? Is it the way the United States, especially because, mm-hmm. you know, she's writing in the United States in 1973, and it's pretty good comparison. Is it like the way the United States carries itself in foreign countries? Mm-hmm. Is it our racism and sexism and xenophobia? But I guess that one doesn't benefit us in the long run. It's just no. kind of like it is what it is. Um, or is it like, yeah, mercantilism in general? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's or, or oil. In mm-hmm. oil in general, uh, mm-hmm. greenhouse fossil gases, fuel. fossil fuels, uh, just the earth heating up. I think that's probably mm-hmm. the best one because um, yeah. you we just I think we just can't fathom. There's so many things that happen to modern humans that we can't fathom. It's like too much to think about, and then only once you see like a literalization of it, you are in shock, and then it becomes normal yeah. ASAP. Um, there was a like- 
the internet and social media, like, yeah, that's good short term, but it's very, mm -hmm. it can be very addicting, very dangerous too in the long term. Yeah. It's, but I think it's like, but it has to benefit you though. Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder if like the social, she'd be like, that's the bread and circus, right? Yeah. Like, what yeah. if that is, that's the thing. Is social media the thing we enjoy in Omalas? Or True. is like, maybe it's the people who like have to, um, content, like, scroll for content and take like, child porn and and beheadings off of facebook i feel so bad for those people not enough for me to delete my facebook account but it's <laughs> yeah. sure if i and i use instagram but i sure feel bad but i uh, think that's that that's the whole story though isn't it and so yeah. like people like to romanticize like yeah for sure i'd walk away but and you won't stop using like. facebook I won't stop getting sparkling water from san pellegrino even though they're owned by nestle and i hate nestle of course that's the thing too is like uh they are introducing the concept of this child to people in the city as young as eight. When I was eight, if you were to say, Hey, yeah, you can be happy forever, but one other person has to suffer and everyone else already knows that this person's suffering and they're all okay with it, I'd probably be like, Oh, well, it's normal then. Everyone around me thinks it's normal, mm -hmm. so I should just think it's normal. Exactly. It's like I'm upset and I cry, and then the father figure in my life says Stop crying. Everyone deals with this. You're not special. And then you have to move on. Yeah. So yeah. I definitely like, can see a real, like, <laughs> as much as easy as it is for us to sit outside of the narrative and be like, oh, yeah, I'd walk away instantly. It's, I feel like if you're actually put in a situation, it's much harder to just be like, leave paradise. I, kind of I mean, yeah. Is it? I mean, the last paragraph is beautiful, but like, where mm -hmm. are they going? That, so yeah. I have like a few theories on that. So sure. I have, and I mean, their theories, they don't, you can interpret it however you want. That's the beauty of it. But so there's a theory that they're walking away because they believe something can be better. Like where a child doesn't have to suffer or they're walking away because they're absolutely disgusted by what's happening. And they just, they don't care how bad it is elsewhere. They're going to leave. Those are like the main two that I have at least. The place they go towards is a place even less imaginable to most of us than the city of happiness. I cannot describe it at all. I just, it might not even exist, she says. Yeah. yeah. I, don't, it, I, don't think, I don't think where they're going is important. I think the fact that they just aren't participating is the important aspect. Yeah, that N.K. Jemsen story feels so mm -hmm. resonant, right? That, like... Mm -hmm. Just just walking away is just is like a seventies, sixties, seventies vibe is like, hey, I'm not gonna go to Vietnam, I'm gonna go to a commune and just get out of here. Yeah. But then the NK Jemson story is like, Oh, we're gonna fight and we're gonna fix it. I did we're yeah, I did mm -hmm. I did think it was interesting that uh like out of out of every option there was like you either just accept it or you walk away. Not a single person's like, fuck this, I'm helping the child. If we're all sad, fuck it. We're all mm -hmm. sad together. Right. Which I had the same thought, and then it wasn't until you brought it up earlier. There's a sequel, the Those Who Stay and Fight. That I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's addressed. <laughs> mm -hmm. Man, uh, she really makes the green fields seem pretty tight, though. I'm sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> I was looking for the quote, and I was like, man, she comes back to the green field. And when she talks about how the horses and humans are chill yeah. with each other, yeah. oh my god, like. Yeah, it's humans are happy, but also building. horses. Horses are also happy. <laughs> Can you make the horses sad by taking away the child? Come on. Hello. Welcome to this week's tea break. It is Marty 
also known as Marty's mom. I know what you're thinking. Marty, why aren't you in this week's episode? I have been yoinked. Duty calls. But never fear, I will be back the week after next week. And that is because this next week we have another special guest, Retromation, here with our story, A Study in Emeralds by Neil Gaiman. In the meantime, I hope you're enjoying the podcast. If you would like to enjoy it among company, you should tell your friends about it. My two preferred methods of telling people is going to be either by carrier pigeon or I like printing out the podcast text on paper, ripping up that paper into pieces, and then throwing it onto the people below from the top of the jade chamber. Also, a friendly reminder, we have a Patreon. We have cool things there. Definitely check it out. There's going to be a link in the description of the podcast. And I am drinking coffee as well as vitamin water because I am dehydrated. Anyway, let's get back to the podcast. I hope you enjoy it. I was I got distracted because I was looking for the quote where she says what happens if you help the child. Uh, I believe it's something like within the hour or within the day, if not the hour, everything, all their their crops will disappear. Everything that they have ever built will crumble and they will all be living in uh, misery, basically. I don't remember the exact quote, but if you ha- if you have it, absolutely go ahead and read it. Well, that I'm still looking for, but that that's what I was trying to suss out is like is of course it's this magical thinking is like i yeah. well we need to have the child in the closet yeah because then if we help the child at all automatically everything goes away and she said yeah i think i got highlighted but like the uh the terms were strict and absolute there was uh okay i, I did find it. it if you'd like so uh um, please please Devin. okay yeah, if the child were brought it. up into the sunlight, out of that vile place, if it were cleaned and fed and comforted, that would be a good thing indeed. But if it were done, in that day and hour, all the prosperity and beauty and delight of Omelas would wither and be destroyed. Those are the terms. To exchange all the goodness and grace of every life in Omelas for that single, small improvement, to throw away the happiness of thousands for the chance of happiness at one, that would be led to guilt. Or, sorry, that would be to let guilt within the walls indeed. So if I was like running a high school class, I'd be like, okay, what do you think happens when the, if the child is brought up? And then maybe I'm like, do you do you think there's magic? Do you think what it is? And then we'd be like, okay, but it says in the story. And then I'd be like, well, where is it? But there, she doesn't say what would happen. Just mm-hmm. just that it wouldn't be a utopia anymore. I think yeah. it's interesting if he did if it did say the crops would wither. The city would crumble and everyone would die. Then it's nothing. But like, what is the thing we're losing? It's the utopia. It's the utopia. The sheen. The fact that everything's good. Right? Mm-hmm. Would the horses still be regular horses? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. And I think that that's the really interesting. That's the really interesting thing we're trying to get at. Is like, no one has ever said what would happen. No one had really mm-hmm. knows specifically what would happen. If we took the child out of the closet, just that the if it does have happiness, the utopia disappears, and that that is an absolute truth. Right, but like that's the thing I would yeah, say. I'd be like, okay, well, what what is the difference between a good city and a utopia? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it a tiny loss or is it a big, big loss? Exactly. That, that, yeah. 
and that I think very much depends on like how big is Omalos. If it's five people who start start to suffer for the chance of this one kid, is that more acceptable than a thousand, a billion? Can you? Yeah. Is it like is it a quantifiable amount of suffering that could be distributed yeah. through everybody? I don't know. It's interesting. It it's a very for for being such a short story, it's very very thought provoking, which I guess was the point of the story, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's it's to exchange all the goodness and grace of every life in Omelas for that single small improvement. I don't know. That's for the have. I don't know. It's it's hard. It's like I can't well, I can't wrap my head around if like if or no, it's supposed to be ambiguous, right? Because you're it's yeah. a mm-hmm. moral it's a moral choice. And then she goes on to further like give a justification of well it's okay because his life wouldn't be improved anyways because he's so dumb and or because the child is so dumb and neglected and malnourished that he is wouldn't even know that the difference anymore. Mm-hmm. That has real 1973 vibes <laughs> yeah. of like that's someone who just came who is dealing with Vietnam or the end of Vietnam. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's happening. Oh, it's happening over there. Who cares? It doesn't matter. It's yeah. out of sight, out of mind. Yep. Yeah. Do you think that the title of the book is has any like hints of like what we're supposed to take away from it or any significance? Because it's only very briefly mentioned of the ones who walk away, and that's just at the very end of it. Well, like you know, why we it kind of takes the, the 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 stuff out of it a little bit of it being like rousing, because yes, yeah, supposedly okay, they're the people who walk away are good people, and the people who stay are bad people. If you were mm. to be super glib and just boil the whole thing down, but like just walking away isn't good enough now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we? Why don't we fight and why don't we actually do something? Yeah, yeah, we are. Well, I was. People are like starting to fight back now with like the WGA strikes going on. And the and SAG and strike SAG, today. Yeah, did they? Did they actually go through? Yeah, that? they did. Double uh, strike! Double oh. strike! Yes. Double strike! We just need, like, a general strike at this point, honestly. But there are so many people who aren't able to not work, which is sad. And that's not related to the book club. That's me (laughs) complaining about capitalism. I think about that. I think about that a lot when, like, French people get on Twitter. I'm like, "Uh oh, United States, you are so stupid. You do not do general strike. (laughs) And we're like, well, your cops don't have guns, my guy. Yeah. Uh, So I find that that just funny. also, like, it would be a lot easier to uh, organize like one state or one European country versus the entirety of America. Yeah, I wonder. This is a very this is a super American story as well because I think the most powerful thing you can do as an American, especially in the seventies, is like say I'm rejecting the fat and milk and honey of America, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go do something else. Um, because again, Americans also are so individualist, right? Oh, absolutely. It's terrible. Right. And like, we're changing, we're trying to change that through collective action and from people who see that that can actually work because, you know, the individualism is a lie perpetrated Mm -hmm. by people who individually have a lot of stuff. Right. (laughs) So it's like the people, that's why she's centering in on the people, the ones who walk away. You are only part of the community because you know, it's good and best for you. And then you make the choice to walk away. The ones, not the group, not mm-hmm. the peoples, but the ones, the singular people, plural, who have made the have made the choices on their own and then walk out into the nothingness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God. 
this thing's tight. Are you guys okay talking about no, a short story? Yeah, this is yeah. great. I'm just listening yeah, to you mostly. I feel like I'm just uh, enjoying this. I'm taking it in. That's what I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, me and Tevin struck. are just like enjoying this. Don't mind well, us. And for ADHD, here, let's be a little meta. ADHD book club. What's the difference to be about talking about a short story as opposed to like a part of a novel? Like, how do you feel? How do you feel about this as people who so, can notoriously only read a few pages at a time? It is different because, like, normally when we're, like, right now we're in the middle of reading Cersei by Madeline Miller, another very great story. Um, Yeah. But, like, that we're doing, like, about two chapters at a time, and it gives us time in between weeks to process kind of, like, what happened in each little section. Whereas Mm -hmm. here we're getting an entire story, and we're going to go, like, from start to finish all at once, and it's... It's a lot, It's a little bit more overwhelming, but at the same time, it's also, like, nice to be able to just, like, have a nice story that you're able to just read in one setting. You're like, I finished it. Yeah. You know, you get that nice sense of accomplishment, like, I did it. But, yeah, I think, like, when we're going through the longer stories, we're able to, like, break down, like, the minutia of it and, like, try and guess what's going to happen in the future with it and really dive into, like, every single character and, like, their emotions and all their mental health nonsense like all of us have sure and so it's it's just such a different sort of thing when you're getting you know this this instant snap of a photo basically in a short story and And you get the conclusion so quickly but it's still like it's vague enough and it leaves so much room for conversation so and like this story is so different from almost any other story i've ever read that it's kind of like it's it was hard for me to try to come up with questions to to like really Mm -hmm. talk about this because it's so it's so different from like any other type of like story it's just it's there are no real characters or at least like no like super described like there's no Mm -hmm. protagonist no real antagonist it is just here's the setting here's what happens in it yeah we've been reading fantasies because we started with brandon sanderson's uh Emperor Soul. Thank you. I was stuck on the Emperor's Groove and I was not getting past yes, that one. Brandon Sanderson's The Emperor's Groove with Kronk and Yzma. The Emperor's New Sanderson. <laughs> Coming to Kickstarter 2024. Yeah, I was about to say oh. he's going to have that done in a couple weeks. Don't worry about it. Yeah. But we've done that and then we're, we're doing Cersei. So it's like we haven't read a ton because, you know, we read like 30 page sections. And so, and this was shorter than anything we've read, which I think is really interesting too. Like, we've never done a reading that short. So you know, just a lot of figuring things out. But it's it was fun. It's a fun book. Uh, I would definitely like like we've mentioned this a few times now. I definitely recommend anyone read this. The uh, it's such a cool, interesting concept, and the way she describes everything is so unique and fun to read. Our conversation will make a lot more sense if you read it. True. <laughs> shit it's truly only a few pages it really is uh, literally like you could have been just like smiling. you could have finished it yeah already three times um, <laughs> at least there's i was thinking about this in uh, in relation i said before in relationship to the, the lottery and i was thinking about how she says literally this is the treason of the artist a refusal to admit the banality of evil and the terrible boredom of pain and i'm like oh so you're literally talking to the lottery like the lottery is all about like ooh, look at all these characters look at these people in this town surprise they're evil they're bad the lottery is bad it hurts it kills a lady (laughs) <laughs> and it's like that whole thing was about the banality of evil. It's like, okay, 
we understand that. Let's take mm-hmm. one step forward and think, okay, we're not talking about that anymore. We're talking about this other thing. I think the thing that we're struggling with is that this is a thought experiment. It's barely a short story. Yeah. Right? Like it's a short story with some with like a festival and some and some proper nouns and a yeah. child playing the flute. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Like this is the trolley. This is the trolley problem. Yeah. This is the trolley problem, but like to the utmost extreme, basically. So, so you would you, I, I would like to ride on the trolley. I don't want to be involved <laughs> in the trolley at all. I don't have any control over it. <laughs> I don't it's, think you get to do that in the trolley, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that. I mean, the, that would just be the equivalent of just not touching the lever, right? Yeah, that would I just be the equivalent of staying in Omelas and not doing anything. But also at the same time, yeah. walking away isn't pulling the lever either. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You're it, still participating in some way, shape, or form by letting it continue. Yeah. I also, I you know, I feel like we're picking it apart a little bit now. But yeah, like, it's, it's, it's okay. It's reminding me also, like, how much I dislike philosophical questions. You don't like philosophy classes? Come on. I do, but only as they, like, as they apply to, like, you know, when you're all, when you're in college or in your early 20s and people are just, mm-hmm. like, talking about stuff. Yep. And it's yeah. like, I'm doing, I'm here in the world. We don't have to be heady about it. I'm already here. Like, I, it's like, I would much rather talk about it. Like, here's how you unionize your workplace. Here's yeah. how you get a better salary. Here's how you talk to HR. I care so much more about, like, preparing yourself to be a worker and to break things mm. as, as, as possible, but also defend yourself instead of talking about this heady conversation. So now when I realize that this is just, like, this is an expansion to the trolley problem, <laughs> that you can, it's a DL, it's trolley problem DLC, I'm like, I'm the like, child problem, problem. Two. right? <laughs> trolley problem two, two trolley two problem. Um, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, the fact that people just walk away is kind of gets under my skin a little bit. I'm like, I don't care. Yeah, like, yeah. I'd go say, I would go. I, th- I guess, like, I wish there was a little bit more magic for me to. It's like, okay, a witch. We need in. a little bit more escapism for this yeah, to feel like, okay. <laughs> like the whole point of the trolley problem is you're trying to literalize it. It's like, okay, there's a trolley and you have a switch, right? I know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. What I wish is like, it, how, it is still very ambiguous of what would happen if the child is gone. Mm-hmm. I would love one sentence and I can't believe I'm, I'm critiquing this. I would, if it was, I would be like, we there used to be the conditions were laid out by a wizard and they've been forgotten to time. That would make I you just, feel better. Yep. It would make me feel a little bit better just because you know when you have that philosophical question, you ask all those clarifying questions before you give your answer. Mm-hmm. And I wish I wish I had more instead of her talking about that goddamn child at the festival <laughs> with a <the> flute. <laughs> but he's so good at the flute, Eric. He's so good he's at so, it. And everyone loves his music because he's doing it for fun and not because he needs the money. <laughs> Orgy nearby, but he's fine with it. Yeah, and everyone is nice to him. And even if you have get pregnant at those orgies, those bastards are still going to be loved and cared for. They're not bastards; they're called sons, Cole. And then you have, and then if you have a toothache, you take a little bit of Drews, and it's fine. It's, like honestly, like, the utopia aspect is almost too absurd for me yeah. to like give it credence. It's so far removed from anything I can picture that it's hard for me to even like see Omelas as anything or put it anywhere real on a map. 
I've um I've been thinking about the the reason why I mentioned Thomas Moore. I was thinking about uh, Utopians, uh, Utopias, as it relates to like people building new products of Twitter. Please come with me on this stupid yeah. train. I'm so please. ready for this. Get on the train. I think I've been on Blue Sky. We're on for a the trolley. While. Come on. Yeah, get on the trolley. I've been <laughs> on the on the trolley. I've been on Blue Sky for a little while, okay. and Blue Sky is one of the spinoffs where it was like you that's had the access codes, and they would yeah, people just the, give them to you. That's the one that you need like an invite to or something like that, right? Exactly, exactly. It's not the one made by Instagram, and it's not Mastodon, whatever the fuck that is. Oh. It's the it's the the invite one, and. The thing about it, it's, it feels like it's made by people who use Twitter a lot in, like, 2021 and 2022, and then, like, wanted to recreate that feeling they had somewhere else. Okay. And when I was thinking about media, and I was, like, looking up Thomas More's Utopia, that's, like, the guy, he was, like, the the English dude who wrote the idea and created the Utopia. It almost feels like um, the Emerald City, right? It almost feels mm-hmm. like... It's night. It's and I. This is also why I think she clarified so much. Is like, hey, what if you think this is stupid? It's not. It's actually really good, and everyone likes it. Because the utopia in my head is like, it looks nice, but it's kind of boring, or it's a it's a facade, right? Like when you go to mm-hmm. heaven and there's nothing to do because people like doing bad things, and you can't do that in heaven. It feels like that. And when I think about blue sky, it's like they're trying to create something only with the good parts and none of the bad parts. And that's not how anything works, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's like we're taking one step further by by how much she belabored the point, saying, actually, this is really good. It's not just a utopia. It's the best thing ever created, and they solved all the problems. She's really, really trying to reduce it to just X plus child equals Y. Yeah. And I feel like I'm st- I've been staring at it so much I can like see the brush strokes now, <laughs> and I can't I can't see the beautiful writing for what it is anymore because we're not reading. I'm sorry, the I've done this to it's you. Like no, stare. it's it's analysis. It's fine. It's fine. But no, I think it's, it's like, so funny seeing like, this in conversation with like utop the co- these larger conversations of like utopias and the banality of evil. It's like okay, leave all your other shit away. Stop thinking about the bomb. Stop thinking about secret release. Stop thinking about America. We're somewhere else. Now you or, need to say to me. It's almost like she could have answered, ended the set, ended the short story with, um, but they seem to know where they were going. The ones who walk away from Omos, which one are you? <laughs> <laughs> but she didn't because she's a good writer. But that's how it feels. Yeah, it is that's how the whole like, thing feels. It's it. It feels like she is like doing like a world building with people of like, yeah. hey, we're gonna start our D and D campaign in this city. Uh, and everyone here has this whole thing, and then now you have to decide: Are you guys staying or are you leaving? It's so. F- I mean, like, if you played this in a tabletop RPG campaign or D and D campaign specifically, everyone would always tr- go try to save the child. They would save the child, right? Always. But like, that's not how. Yeah, exactly. That's the point. But it's, I think she's making a point of be like, that's not how life works. Yeah, it's like we're doing this in this game we're playing, but not in. You're not going to do that in real life. It has no real world consequences. Right. Oh man, yeah. Have you so have you been on this is going back to other Twitter knockoffs. Have you been on Threads at all? Yeah, Threads is just like is in the way that Reels is TikTok and the way that okay. YouTube Shorts is TikTok. So it's really just copy and paste. Okay. It like has no soul. It's the skeleton they just took a skeleton out of its coffin and then and propped it up and then all the brands go there because it's brand safe right it's also yeah. really just it's yeah. just disorienting it's not it's not doesn't make any sense the, i know the, yeah i said i know some people like especially like uh people who have multiple uh, twitter accounts they have to like log in and out of 
like the I know threads mm -hmm. have the ability to switch between profiles. So for like people who are brand managers, they are trying to like have to like memorize like eight billion passwords. Like that's not good. That's not good no. user. You know. I I'm just waiting for Elon Musk to eventually just sell Twitter and say this is this sucks. All the libs live there. It fucking sucks. And just like that, and then yeah, and then it'll just become Tumblr like it is. I mean, they'll but at, Tumblr is also operating at a loss right now. Yeah. So, but like, oof, ah, oops. <laughs> like I don't know. Like I don't know. I'm just waiting for Twitter to come back. I think it will within like two years. Hopefully. It's it's so hard because like there's been a few clones and none of them feel like they replace it. Mm -hmm. Even though they are all like the they are just the pure copies of it. They don't. There is something fundamentally lacking that only Twitter provides, and it's not something you can really put into words. I mean, I still use Twitter. I certainly still use it. Sorry, yeah. Tevin, go ahead. Uh, for me, it's just people. I've tried yeah. to get on new social medias, and then, like, suddenly I have a singular percentage of the people that I knew from my other social medias and stuff. Yeah. And while some of those are great losses, let's be honest here. <laughs> True. They are. It, it's almost like people have forgotten what social media was supposed to be about, which is just about community, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not everything. It's, it's certainly not everything. It's not your job, and it's not your, like economic worth or your, mm -hmm. your your salary. I think about this all the time when like I see someone who really bothers me on Twitter and they have like fifty thousand followers and then they're mm -hmm. like they're like, oh my job at the call center was so bad. And I'm like, oh that's right. You just like happen to get a bunch of followers. Like it doesn't mean anything, right? Yeah. Like this isn't your Twitter or digital or whatever isn't your full time job. Mm -hmm. And then and then I think that people are so focused on that when it's like Hey, why don't we just make something that's good that make makes people want to be there? Yeah, right. It's that's just cool. all about creating a feeling. Find More the right people. There we go. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, I think we have talked pretty much all we can about Omalas. We have dis dissected it quite a bit. Is there any final wrap up thoughts anyone wants to share about how capitalism is bad and we should all just go live in a forest? Does I don't I... want to live in a forest. There's a lot of bugs there. I'm fine with bugs. I, That's my job. I know, I know you are, but I can't. The '80s called and said, "This shit's stupid. Go do some cocaine." <laughs> <laughs> um, does Does anyone else want to share their favorite quotes? I think that that's like her writing is so wild. I don't know if you because we talked about the Druze stuff and we talked about the orgy stuff, which I think were the silliest. But the quote about I want to read. Can I just read that segment about about being happy is good? Because it's so uh, funny, yeah. she drops this thing, this bomb that has nothing to do really with the rest of the mm -hmm. story in this in this thing. Um, the trouble is we have a bad habit encouraged by pedants and sophisticates of considering happiness as something rather stupid. Only pain is intellectual, only evil interesting. This is the treason of the artist, a refusal to admit the banality of evil and the terrible boredom of pain. If you can't lick them, join them. If it hurts, repeat it. Oh, God. What a good writer. So, so good. I don't know. The, the orgy quote is still my favorite. Just because, like, the moment I read that, I was like, man. She's just, she doesn't care. Well, like, she writes before, how she wants, and I love that about her. Yeah. Um, the thing about trains it really sets us up for it. It'd be like, okay, we don't need trains, but if you want trains, put it sure. in there. 
Yeah, I like the I like the distinction she made between like there are three types of like there are three things. There are things that are good. There are things that are destructive, and things that like aren't destructive but or aren't good but aren't destructive. I remember exactly what that quote was, but um... you would yeah, like you wouldn't you wouldn't need it in a utopia. But if you need to put it in there because you don't want to think about this story, please yeah. put that thing in there. Like when she was talking about beer, I thought that was really funny. <laughs> uh, the yeah, the, okay, so. Happiness is based on just discrimination of what is necessary, what is neither necessary nor destructive, and what is destructive. In the middle category, however, of the unnecessary but undestructive is that of comfort, luxury, exuberance. So like the subway trains, the central heating, whatever, like convenience you need that isn't bad, but is just not like necessary. It could have none of that. It doesn't matter. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. I feel like if you take it away from the, as I said, if you take it away from the charisma for too long, if you take it away from her, the power of her writing, you start, it starts to break apart a little bit, but mm-hmm. that's what's good about a short story is that you, you're a, always reading her words. Yeah. That is, it very much feels like you are looking at an art piece for so long that you start to actually notice the flaws. Exactly. Like, we just like, look at it real quick and be like, cool, beautiful. Mona Lisa, <laughs> exquisite. Yeah. <laughs> And how you end up thinking about it and you go around and around and around. It's like, this is bad. And then you remember it's incredible. And then you say, this is bad again. And then you remember it's incredible again. <laughs> Life Welcome is to cycle. philosophy. It's how the whole cycle goes with it, I feel like. All right. Kevin, do you have a favorite quote I mean, to call you out? Oh, no, please do. Uh, I mean, for me, again, it's a lot of just like the tone and conversationalism of it all. So for me, I, I guess if I had to say a favorite quote, it's probably just like the do you believe? Do you accept the festival, the city, the joy? No. Well, let me describe one more thing. Like, just like the little parts like that that just, oh, it like just really, talking. really kept me in it the yeah. whole time. Kevin, Actually, can you read just the whole story for me sometime? I, I'm not going to lie. I When I read this story, you know, I'm talking about like, oh, yeah, I read it in 10 minutes. No, I really did read it like I was doing an audiobook and was debating <laughs> if I wanted to try to do that. But I sure. don't think I'm I legally it. could. I don't really know how this works. But- <laughs> no, you could absolutely do it. Uh, there's nothing directly tell, uh, stopping you from doing an audiobook. The authors will hire somebody, but that's just because they like that voice and want that voice for like their official one. But there's a bunch of like YouTube audiobooks that anyone does. As long as, it's as long as you don't sell it. That's yeah. always the thing. Don't make money on it, basically. Gotcha. Actually, I did want to talk about that sentence that you just said, Tevin. Do you believe, so do you accept the festival, the city, the joy? No? Well, then let me describe one more thing. Is the assumption that I think, and maybe I was saying this too rashly, that the whole thing about happiness didn't matter. It's like, okay, you still have a problem? Well, then let me tell you there is pain in this city. You yeah. need a is little this- bit for it to be believable. Here you go. That was kind of, yeah, there was a whole section of me when I was reading through this that was almost like, because they spent so much time, she spent so much time near the beginning talking about how, like, yes, no, you need you need pain to understand these kind of things. Like, is any of this second half of the story real? And in order, or is it just something to help you kind of get into the the setting a little bit better? And that was more while I was reading it. I do think it's real for the purpose of the story and everything, but... It was just an interesting feeling as I was going through it. It's interesting that the only way we can justify it being real is through that pain, though. Like, it it does make it more concrete. Yeah. The second to last paragraph is, now do you believe them? Are they not more credible? Mm -hmm. But there is one more thing I have to tell you, and it's incredible. And then that's when the people start to walk away. Mm -hmm. It's like, she's not even saying, it really just is. 
here's a thought I had. Yeah. Like, here's I'm positing this. Like, if you're really trying to follow the way that she's trying to describe it, it's like, she doesn't ask you to do anything. It's just mm-hmm. like, here's some stuff. Here's a, here's a city I thought of. Whatever um, problems you have with it, it's that. It's fine. And then she just yeah. continues to, and then she builds. It's like, here's the city. It's whatever you think it is. And then here's this child always in pain. And then on top of it is like, okay, hold on. Actually, some people are walking. She's She is... It is like in 1973, no one would ever leave. Mm-hmm. The, the Americans would say, well, the city's fought, the city's incredible, and the child is a necessity. It's fine. And then she's like, well, here's the twist. Some people actually leave. There are people who leave. And that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now we're at the point where even leaving, it just isn't enough. Yeah. yeah. We, gotta, we have to fight instead. You're right. We have to go mm-hmm. get the child and make them safe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That has been ADHD Book Club. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Eric, for being on yeah. and being very, very good at your job. <laughs> if people want to find more of you, where can they do that? For sure. You can find me on the social, the various social medias at L underscore Silvero, E L underscore S A L V E R O. My name, if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler. Uh, I'm also on TikTok now, which I'm having a lot of fun doing. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to throw a video meme together. I'm Eric the Silver on TikTok. Um, and please listen to any of my shows. Join the party, Games and Feelings. Tell me about it. Uh, and listen to the various fine shows over at Multitude. Masha, you I was muted. Phone? I was going to say, I forgot to say this at the very beginning. You did such a good job of introducing your shows. Like, I know you've probably Thanks. done it a ton of times, but also, like... I struggle Almost. with Almost that. Like he's been so. doing this for seven, eight years now. Let me let me compliment people. <laughs> Thank you. It's it's kind of. I mean, I think the main thing about podcasting is you just not need to not be embarrassed. Honestly, I'll tell you, sure. being a YouTuber is infinitely more embarrassing. Being in a YouTuber is nightmarish sometimes. Like, like imagine. I think about this a lot because a lot of people. I, when you think about podcasts. People don't say they're a podcaster. They'll mm-hmm. say, uh, I'm a journalist or I'm a, or I'm like a celebrity or whatever. Like podcasting is not people's main job. Mm-hmm. It's something you can do at the same time as doing something else. And I think about that. It's like, people shouldn't be embarrassed. People love podcasts. You, imagine <laughs> going to your, uh, 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 your aunt and uncle and being like, yeah, full-time YouTuber. Love, I just follow the algorithm, Mr. Beast, you know? Yeah. At least when you say you're a streamer, people are like, oh, cool, nice, great, cool. <laughs> I don't but, know if people say that to me that don't know anything about it. I think uh, it's a little more, it has a little no. more, like, mystique around it. Yeah. A streamer definitely is, like, more, quote, unquote, like, socially acceptable than a YouTuber. A YouTuber has a very negative connotation, and part of that's just because YouTubers are, on average, not great people. Yeah, so just, yeah, I mean, just, like, don't be embarrassed about your podcast and just make sure you know it. One sentence, just try to summarize it as much as yeah. best you can. Hey, you know, we're here to have fun. Like, that's all it comes down to. Whatever, if people are going to be angry at you for having a fun little podcast where you talk about books with your friends, screw them. We don't yeah. like them. It's we self-inflicted. Like it's certainly self-inflicted. I think podcasters are embarrassed. They really oh, are. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, just don't, just don't be. It's fine. Who cares? All right, uh, Tevin, you. That's me. Uh, you, I'm Tevin, but you can uh, find me at Bielzenef uh, at a bunch of various social medias and stuff, including some of the ones that I have like no friends on, as we discussed before. Um, 
Follow Tevin on threads. Go find him. <laughs> be real. Does anyone still use that? I don't know. Oh, only God. only moms use be real. To oh God, oh, even I'm uninstalling it now. We're I use be real for threads. approximately. No, you gotta keep up with your mom. You gotta tell your mom you're doing okay. Be real. Be real was such a cool concept that I quickly grew bored of. <laughs> it knows how to catch me when I'm on the toilet. That's the oh, thing. you know. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's it. I'm I'm, I'm Beals and F. Find me there. Uh, I might actually start streaming again soon. We'll find out. When your computer Mod comes in? When okay. my computer comes in. I got the new internet, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And then we got the new computer coming in. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. So <laughs> Now I got to be consistent with my life. No. Uh. There's no. It's hard. It's very difficult. <laughs> um, I'm Matcha Mello. This is my stream. Um, you can find me on Twitch. I stream on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then I do YouTube content on a bunch of the other days and posting two times a week now instead of one. You're. 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 Good job. You're. Yes. Oh, you're. Okay. Okay. You're. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know you're. what you're. Not like you're. Not your. You're. You're. Like a pirate. Like a pirate. Sorry, I wasn't ready for the pirates. I was. Okay. I was <laughs> yeah, yay. Thank you. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm super awkward and it's great. Let's go to Cole. <laughs> I am Cole. Uh, I, if you want to listen to me and Matcha talk about D and D things, we have a podcast called Keepers of the Monster Guild, where we talk about creatures of different, or lore from creatures. Uh, right now, it's mostly D and D. The one that just came out this week, as of recording, was Kuatoa. Actually, oh, uh, my favorite boys! Yeah, I love they're them. Fantastic. They're so fun. The one that comes out when this episode comes out, I believe, will be Phoenixes. And then we're recording our next one on Sunday because I was busy on Wednesday. That's fine. Yeah. The Kota are great because me, just like me and my friends, if we end up talking about some dumb shit for too long, it then just a god real. gets created. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, like, the way yeah. that people found out about this power is they just, there was a naked statue that they added crabfish and, like, a lobster head to, and then it became real. And everyone, that's how, in lore, they found out that the Kuatoa have the ability to just create deities. Wait, can you say that deity's name? Do you remember what it is? Yeah, Libdaboop. Thank you. Nice. <laughs> Thank good. you. That is, that's such a, like, wow-ass name. It is. It's very, it's very bubbly. It yeah. feels like you just said something underwater, and the bubbles just go bloop bloop It's like, all right, I play Feisty Murloc, and then I play Shaman Murloc, and then I summon blah blah blah, And that's how I win, and that's how I win Hearthstone.